We have a glorious day. Wonderful opportunity for Bahawana. That was the Buddha's uh, word for meditate. Bhavana is a really rich word. It's a cultivation, a development. Bhavami, a bringing into being, a training. It's not just an ordeal. Working with ordeals <laughs> is a part of it. But learning to be okay with an ordeal, to relax with an ordeal, and also learning how to cultivate a pleasing abiding in the here and now. There's a pleasure principle. It's very important in the path. It's the samma samadhi. Remember how the turning point in the Buddha's own cultivation after all that ascetic practice he specialized in ordeals not eating eating tiny amounts even getting to the point where he thought breathing was a luxury for extended periods of time cutting off the breath so that like knives, burning knives were going through the body. When he went to pee, he fell on his face. When he scratched his stomach, he felt the backbone. Rubbed his skin, it would peel off with the hair. He had the thought, might there be another way? He knew he was tremendous effort, tremendous mindfulness in the sense, the narrow definition of mindfulness, the linking of attention to the moment. It wasn't yet the development of wisdom. There was tremendous mindfulness, effort, gatheredness around that, being equanimous with pain. But there still was distress, exhaustion, Dukkha. And when he asked the question, the honest, open, dropping into the heart, is 
Might there be another way? He had such a deep distrust of pleasure because of its tendency to be associated with just attaching, getting bound up in sensual attachment to the world and overcome by distress when things changed, old age, sickness and death. He had that view that the, his practice was rooted in that view that, that freedom, true ending of suffering was by crushing, cutting off that link to the world, that addiction to pleasure. When he honestly dropped into the heart, might there be another way? And spontaneously that memory arose. Childhood memory. Sitting under the tree. Rose apple tree. On a day of celebration, festivities. His father, the there was some sort of harvest festival, plowing festival, maybe talks, food, entertainment, good cheer. And he remembered as a child when he just withdrew to the side to sit under the shade of this rose apple tree. And you remember that childhood interest in his breathing. And he remembered that state, that beautiful state. Joyful state, easeful state, luminous state. that gathered, stable, abiding. He realized, I don't need to be afraid of that pleasure. That's a skillful pleasure. It's born of withdrawing. It wasn't born of hate. Grasping and grabbing something from me and keeping something else away from someone else. Just withdrawing the attention from the diversity, the multiplicity of this and that, the speeches, the people, the foods, the flavors, the sights, the sounds. Withdrawing from from that diversification to a singularity a simplicity, an innocent, open, being with body, breathing, in and out. Without thinking, oh, I'm missing out on this and that, all this is just the breath. When 
When one is with the breathing, that in-breath, we're, we're receiving that vitalizing, universally vitalizing principle, without which this, without that regular nourishment, this body dies. We breathe in what the trees breathe out. What we breathe out, the trees breathe in. We're resting, especially in this incredible center here in the forests, resting in this ocean of vitality. We can breathe whenever we want. There's no meters. Don't, don't get too much into breathing. You can freely breathe in, freely breathe out. He remembered that stay, remembered its healing quality, its unifying quality. And he realized, yes, well, if I attach to it and want it to always be there, okay, that is, will cause some distress. But he knew it was a wholesome. And he realized this is the way. And that was the whole turning point. But he realized to, in his present emaciated state, to do that practice he needed to eat. With that realization, he then was willing to receive the offering from Sujata of the milk rice, for gain his strength, cultivated this gatheredness, this pleasing abiding in the here and now, which led to knowledge and vision, alertness, mindfulness, and this flowering. The pinnacle of the use of samadhi is this turning that gathered mind to inquire, what is this? What's happening here? That drying up of the floods that sweep us away obscure our vision from recognizing this timeless, luminous, unmoving heart. We have this opportunity on this extended retreat to cultivate this wholesome pleasure, this, the healing dimension of the path. Remember the Buddha defined this unifying activity and state that results as samadhi, important part of the path, which naturally arises out of restraint, which I talked about last night, sila, gives rise, gives rise to samadhi. And samadhi is jitte kagata. It's the heart, that there's a unification of heart. <clears throat> As these different streams and dimensions of our being are gathered within the heart. The sense of things being fractured, polarized. Contending with one another subsides as samadhi arises. 
It's a sense of things being. Unified. The Buddha encouraged us and gave us some tools to playfully explore and cultivate this samadhi, this arising of these stable, skillful states of jhana, what do you call jhana? the five uh, qualities which uh, support this, this first jhana touched on last night, vitaka, which is sometimes translated as directed thought. It's a thought, but it's a moderation of thought. Usually a shortened thought. Its purpose is to direct, guide the attention back here to this body. The chara, one of the better translations that I like is examination. It doesn't have to be lots of thinking, but it's that connection with the receiving. When the attention is directed, then what is it that feels into? Sometimes it's, the English word is evaluate, but it's not really a big thinking process. It's a feeling into and sensing. And if there's a sensing of, oh, too much stress there, that's where the evaluate as a word is useful. When there's too much stress there, there's the natural, intuitive response to relax. If something is too dead, as, as we direct the attention and then receive a deadness, low, low energy, that vichara, that quality of receptive mind, will realize we need some juice here. So there's a intuitive, natural breathing into that area, a little more focus on the in-breath. It can be very subtle, breathing in, relaxing on the out-breath so that the energy spreads and suffuses with the surrounding tissue. Vitaka vichara. Pitti savoring, enjoying, sukha, ease, happiness and ease, ekagata, the fifth one, unify. We can think, well, what? Sounds like a lot of bits and pieces. What's unified about that? Our teacher, Ajahn Chah, was, was very helpful with an image least to me. He said, if you see a bowl of fruits, got bananas, apples, pears, oranges, 
some grapes. Might seem like a lot in there, but it's it's a bowl. It's held, it's unified by the bowl. The unifying element. Unifying element. What holds it together is this container of awareness. It's the mindful container. That's what unifies it. So an opportunity to, as we cultivate bhavana, to get a feeling for when thought is just thought, wandering, dispersed, has its place maybe. But knowing the difference when there's something that really becomes an, an, a support, vitaka. It's said that in the first jhana, the first really established state, resonance of peacefulness that there is, vitaka vichara. Directed thought and Examination. Sometimes the uh, practitioners, w- w- we can get the sense of how peaceful it is when thought subsides, and that's lovely. But sometimes we don't have the feeling of how, well, wait a minute, what does that mean when Vitakavichara are present and there's a peaceful state? This intermediate state's very, I found, very useful to explore. Have we ever noticed that if we're doing something really delicate, I don't sew very much, but occasionally I've got buttons and things like that, and I don't see so well. And so if I'm trying to thread a needle, that's a challenge. And I have one eye that's not so good, but up close it becomes a magnifying glass. That's weird. But I can see that, you know, the mind might go steady, steady. So there's a word happening. There's a word, there's a thought happening, but that's not interfering with the state, that steady, steady, steady. That's a part of sustaining that particular state. For example, in the being with the breathing, some people just use even the whispered, very gently word in, for the in-breaths, very delicate, in, out. In, out. That word doesn't have to be a disturbance at all. It's a, just a hint. It's a vitaka. Hint of a reminder. It keeps lined up with this container. It refers the body and the breathing to that ground, that holding container of awareness. In, out. Now, the vitaka is in and out, but what's vichara? When, when we're peaceful, there's a part of the heart that's feeling into, receiving the in 
It notices its texture. It notices the ending of that breath. It notices the out breath. It's feeling into it. That's a movement. It's an evaluation. It's an examination. It's what the Buddha calls vichara. It's an activity that's connected to the directing the attention and then receiving. The two go together. The taka vichara. Even in the, the first, really, stable, peaceful resonance. There's that moon. And the fullness, pity is a, a savoring, an enjoying, a welling up. There's a, as that begins to arise, we'll, we recognize this coming from within, and this is, what is the magic. of samadhi. When our pleasure is limited to external, beautiful, pleasing objects, lovely sights, lovely sounds, lovely sensations, lovely smells, lovely thoughts. Lovely tight taste, delicious taste, then we, we're, we're at the mercy of when those aren't there. Notice this, this sort of pleasure, the pleasure that the Buddha realized, whoa, this is different. It's born of viveka, translated as withdrawal. It's for a time, it's not throwing rocks at the festival, not saying, oh, it's terrible. It's just withdrawing, retreat. That's what's talking about allowing the longing and the distress to subside. When the bodhisattva, when he was practicing with well, when he was the child, he wasn't preoccupied with, well, I wonder what's happening in the festival. That subsided. The subsiding of the longing and distress with regard to the world. We let that subside. And born of that withdrawal, there's another sort of energy that comes from within. That's what wells up is the pity. Sukha, the relaxing, is so that it can, that energy then can sh- be shared with the whole of the body and mind. Ekagata, all within this bowl, this container. Mindful awareness. In our life, practitioners, uh, we can get obsessed about, oh, is it first John, is it second John, is it really John, oh God, I don't know, I thought I had John, and now he says I'm not even close to John, oh gee, I don't know, know." (sighs) Ajahn Chah just would, would say, who cares what you call it, 
whether it is or isn't. He said, the point is, do you know? Do you know if... Can you become experienced with what is peaceful? A little more peaceful. A little more peaceful. Just don't get caught up in ranking. And be playful. Explore. For the rest of our life, we call it little by little moments of mindfulness that stream together and flower into samadhi. Then we will have more and more the capacity to truly take a holiday. To enjoy just standing. Breathing. Appreciating the perfection of being here fully. It's very green, very good for everyone in the environment. It's not exploitative. So encouraging us to play with this. And be very patient. Even if a rapture and ease aren't coming, remembering that the ground that allows this alchemy and blessing and healing all that energy to well up is kindness. Not fighting and judging, but to, to be like Kuan Yin, at ease with the sounds and sensations of the world. The similes, the classic similes, I might touch on to just a few of them for samadhi, which are very helpful to me, very instructive. And to notice that they're all embodied. All these similes include the whole body. This is uh, from the passage from the Majjhima Nikaya, having abandoned the five hindrances, defilements of mind that weaken wisdom, secluded, withdrawn from sensual pleasures, withdrawn from unwholesome states, the practitioner enters and dwells in the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought, and examination. That's Vitaka Vichara. With rapture and happiness, born of seclusion. He makes the rapture, or the practitioner makes the rapture and happiness born of seclusion drench, steep, fill and pervade this body so that there is no part the whole body that is not pervaded by the rapture and happiness born of seclusion. Just as a skilled bathman or a bathman's apprentice heaps bath powder in a brass basin, sprinkling it gradually with water, kneads it until the moisture wets the 
up all of bath powder, soaks it, pervades it inside and out. Yet the ball itself does not drip. So too, a monk makes the pitisukha, the rapture and happiness, born of seclusion, drench, steep, fill and pervade this body so that there is no part of the whole body that is not pervaded by the rapture and happiness born of seclusion. Brass, lovely, lovely color, golden color, bowl. That's this container of awareness. That's where the unification happens. The powder, all the powders, all the bits and pieces, and that's how we feel. We feel disconnected sometimes. Shoulder over here, hip way down there. Head, I don't know where it is. Feelings, all the different things. And then sprinkling with water. That's the vitakka, vichara, the mindful noticing, bringing the attention to this body, to the breathing. The kneading hands, that's the, the rhythm of the breath the rhythm of the breath. And as we were doing it, as you're sprinkling and then noticing the hard bits, that's the vichara, you notice a hard bit. So that shows the hands where to give attention till that little hard bit is dissolved and the water permeates and suffuses. But the water doesn't drip out, it's all held within. Everything's gathered with this body. So as we breathe in and out, some long breaths, some short, as it calms down, short breaths as we're being with the breathing. The energy starts to lift a bit, getting more steady. But then remember that step where the Buddha encourages us to be sensitive to the whole body. So allowing our practice to also include widening the lens. Remember this body is within the mind. It's within awareness. And that's when we notice the other bits. Oh God, I don't want to notice my aching back. Widen that. Then that, that piece of grit, that pain, that ache, that holds the attention as we breathe in there and then soften. The out-breath is so important. Soften. As, and widen the awareness so that that energy starts to permeate, mingle, mix with the surrounding tissue. That's how there's the homogenization, the balancing of the elements, the healing that happens so that the different parts of the body, the breath, the awareness, and the mind, all of those become part of one state. Might just be as simple as a quiet in, out, or some like to use bud, to, But I encourage one to, even if you quite like letting the mind go to a really quiet place, that's wonderful. But it might be useful just to notice that 
resonance of being able to know a peaceful state that has within it thought, not just any old thought. An actor, a thought that keeps dissolving, that's not disturbing. It might be Kuan Yin, it might be whatever thought we use. And then notice what happens consciously. There can be a natural subsiding of thought. And notice the image the Buddha gives for the second jhana, that in the second jhana, that directing and receiving and evaluating, that naturally, because it's too busy, sometimes it naturally falls away. Listen to the image for the second one. With the subsiding of thought and examination, vitaka vichara, practitioner enters and dwells in the second jhana which has internal confidence and unification of mind, is without thought and examination, has rapture and happiness born of concentration. One makes the rapture and happiness born of concentration drench, steep, fill, and pervade this body so that there is no part of the body that is not pervaded by the rapture and happiness born of concentration. Here's the image. Just as though there was a lake whose waters welled up from below and it had no inflow from the east the west, the north, or south, and it would not be replenished from time to time by showers of rain. The cool fount of water welling up in the lake would make the cool water drench, steep, fill, and pervade the lake so that there would be no part of the whole lake that is not pervaded by cool water. So too, a practitioner makes the rapture and happiness born of concentration, drench, steep, fill, and pervade this body. So there is no part of the body that is not pervaded by that pitti sukha born of samadhi. to encourage one to work some with thought and feeling into examination and notice happen what happens when thought subsides. We're present. We're not having to whisper to ourselves, remind ourselves to be with the in and out here. It's a steadiness. There is still the appreciation of this welling up from within, this welling up of this pity, sukha, ease, all within this unified container. The 
Buddha taught that the primary misconception about the mind and body is this mistaken notion that the mind dwells inside the physical body. He said, you do not know that the body, as well as the mountains, the rivers, empty space, and the great earth, are all within the wonderful, bright, true mind. body, these sounds, this room, our fellow friends here practicing together, our struggles, our ease, our distress, all are arising, shifting, dissolving back into this ever-present heart, mind. 